Happy hauntings, horror fans, and welcome back to Megan's Murder Movies. I'm your host, Megan, and this week we're diving into Five Nights at Freddy's. I'm super pumped for this one. Um, I've played some of the games. I haven't read any of the like books or like graphic novel type things that they've put out, um, but I'm really excited to talk about some of the lore for this. Also super excited to talk about Matthew Willard again and Joss Hutcherson. Uh, this is, yeah, I know it was very controversial, I thought it was a really good time. I understand why they went the way that they went with the direction of the film. I also would love to see a rated R version. I know we're not going to get a rated R version. I would have loved to see it. Do I think Willy's Wonderland is more exciting and a little bit more entertaining? Yes, we will do Willy's Wonderland on the podcast in the coming weeks, but I couldn't miss talking about Five Nights at Freddy's. I did have a good time. I also didn't go in with many expectations, though, especially knowing that they did not go through with a rated R rating, which, again, we can talk about, and I get why they didn't do that. But first of all, I don't really have much horror news this week. I feel like I also didn't take any notes, but there's nothing that I like that comes to mind. Um, I know we've gotten um, another little teaser for Long Legs, which if you've not listened to The Black Coat's Daughter, so The Black Coat's Daughter was written and directed by Oz Perkins, um, who is also the writer and director of Long Legs. So we got another little teaser for that. I'm so, so, so excited for that. I don't think we have a full release date for it, but we're getting teasers. So I'm hoping we'll know a full date for it soon. I think that that's all. Still, lots of rumors going around about Scream 7. As sad as I hate that I'm saying it, but like I also don't hate that I'm saying it because I don't stand by what Spyglass is doing and it's very frustrating. Um, but I'm not, even, I'm not even interested anymore in Scream 7. Um, I just want them to kind of let the franchise lie for a little bit. Yeah, lots of rumors going on about that. Um, I don't think we've got any like sequel news or anything. We've got Oscar noms coming out as I'm recording this. Oscar noms come out tomorrow. I don't think that there's really going to be anything horror related that will make it into Oscar noms. Um, but yeah, so without further ado, let's get into Five Nights at Freddy's with a summary. So a troubled security guard begins working at Freddy Fazbear's Pizzeria. While spending his first night on the job, he realizes that the night shift at Freddy's won't be so easy to make it through. You can currently watch this on Peacock on streaming. Um, I'm going to buy it on DVD, though. I do think it's a fun time. Um, and again, I'm also a big Josh Hutcherson and Matthew Lillard fan, though. So do I watch it for the two of them? Possibly, yes. But watching it a couple times for the podcast it was a good time i do think it'll be one that i i watch not super often but maybe a few times a year uh critics gave it a 32 which i think is kind of a bummer i think for the source material and everything that they had and everything that they did i i really think that that they gave it a good shot I think the cast is great. I think the storyline's cool. Again, it's not super jumpy. There's a couple little jump scares in it. There's not a lot of gore, which I know some people were really disappointed about. However, though, audience scores on Rotten Tomatoes, 87, which I totally agree with. I think this would be one that as a young horror fan, if I was in that like middle school, even like probably fifth grade, I would have eaten this up and been obsessed with it. 
Um, so yeah, I think 87 is totally accurate. I absolutely love that it did so well. I'm very excited to see how they continue on the, um, cause they signed for three movies. So I'm really excited to see what's going to happen in movies two and three, because I feel like there's so many different ways that they could go with stuff. We could get like some type of prequel. We could get a continuation of the story, which I think probably makes the most sense with what they've set up. Um, but yeah, I'm super excited to see how the rest of the Five Nights at Freddy's trilogy goes. So without further ado, we can jump into a cast breakdown and we will start with my main man, Josh Hutcherson, as Mike Schmidt. Josh is an American actor. He began acting in the early 2000s and appeared in several commercials and minor films and television roles before gaining prominence in his teenage years with roles in Little Manhattan and Zathura, RV, Bridge to Terabithia, Journey to the Center of the Earth, and The Kids Are All Right. In 2011, he was the role of Peter Malark in the Hunger Games series or franchise. He won three MTV Movie Awards and a People's Choice Award for playing the role of Peta. In the same period, he also played the lead role in Journey to the Mysterious Island, a voice role in the animated film Epic. Since this period, Josh Hutcherson has appeared in multiple films, including Burn, which, if you don't follow the Sinister Scoop, that will actually have a review that by the time this comes out will have been posted it's like a spoiler free review i do um to be tuesdays over on sinister scoop so if you want to hear my opinions on things go check that out i'll have that linked below um and yeah that was my to be tuesday movie for the week of january 22nd 2024 so if you want to see more josh hutcherson in thriller movies uh maybe go give that a read and see if that's something you might want to watch he was also in Across the River in Into the Trees, 57 Seconds, and then, of course, he was in Five Nights at Freddy's. On television, he starred in the Hulu comedy series Future Man from 2017 to 2020 and voiced the lead character in Ultraman from 2019 to 2023. Throughout his career, he has expressed an interest in filmmaking. He has served as an executive producer for Detention, The Forger, and Escobar Paradise Lost. Well, he also played a lead role in each of the film, and Detention is actually one I'd like to do for the podcast because it's kind of spooky as well it's very good then we have the role of abby who is mike's younger sister and she is played by piper rubio piper is known for five nights at freddy's for all mankind and unstable we have the role of vanessa a local police officer who is played by elizabeth lyle elizabeth is an american actress she played the role of anna in the fantasy adventure series once upon a time and starred as amy hughes in the supernatural series dead of summer she starred as Guinevere Beck in the psychological thriller series You from 2018 to 2019 and as Jenny Banks in the NBC drama series Ordinary Joe. Next, we will move on to someone who we've already talked about once this year and we've talked about a couple times on the podcast, uh, the lovely, the talented Matthew Lillard, who plays Steve Raglan slash William Afton. So Matthew is American actor he played in Serial Mom, Hackers, of course, Stumacher and Scream, which was what we've talked about him in the most. He played Steve-O in SLC Punk. Uh, he was in She's All That, 13 Ghosts Without a Paddle. He's best known for portraying Shaggy Rogers in Scooby-Doo and the sequel to Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed. Um, he's also voiced Shaggy when Casey Kasemann retired from the role in 2009. Much of his work is in the comedic nature. Uh, Lillard has also given dramatic performances in films and shows such as The Descendants, Trouble with the Curve, Match, and Twin Peaks, The Return. Lillard also starred as Dean on the television series Good Girls and 
of course, is now playing William Afton slash Steve Raglan and Five Nights at Freddy's. And he made his directorial debut in the coming-of-age drama Fat Kids Rules the World in 2012. Next, we have the role of Aunt Jane, who is Mike and Abby's aunt. And she is played by Mary Stuart Masterson. Mary's an American actress and film director. She has starred in films at close range, Some Kind of Wonderful, Chances Are, Fried Green Tomatoes, and Benny and June. She won the National Board of Review Award for Best Supporting Actress for her role in the 1989 film Immediate Family and was nominated for the Tony Award for Best Featured Actress in a Musical in the 2003 Broadway Revival of Nine. Next, we have the role of Max, who is Abby's babysitter, and Max is played by Kat Connor Sterling. Kat ventured into film and television in 2019 as she began acting in notable shows such as Marvel's The Gifted, Fox's 911, and Fox's The Resident. She went on to win the role of Presley in Netflix's A Week Away after sending in a self-tape, and she can also be seen starring as Casey in Popular Theory. Next, we have Jeff's brother, who is played by David Lind. David Lind is known for Five Nights at Freddy's, Chicago PD, and Gold Coast. We have the role of Hank, who is a friend of Jeff's, and Hank is played by Christian Stokes. While pursuing his film career, Christian split time as a stuntman, creating and performing in shows across different companies. Um, he also worked at Universal, Six Flags, and Knott's Berry Farms. He was recently selected to join the Emmy Award-winning stunt team for the NBC hit Revolution as Zach Orth's stunt double. He can be seen in the role of Babcock opposite Sylvester Stallone in the action blockbuster Escape Plan. Other highlighted credits include Stop Loss, No Ordinary Family, Lake Dead, Chase, Alias, Charmed, and Bernie. Then we have the role of Carl, who is another one of Jeff's friends, and Carl is played by Joseph Paulquin. Joseph is known for All My Life, The Purge, TV, and Five Nights at Freddy's. So next, we will move on to talking about the role of the ghost children who inhabit the animatronics. So first, we're going to talk about the blonde boy uh, who seems to be kind of the leader of this group. And this gets a little confusing if you didn't catch it in the movie which they don't make it very clear um but it seems as though the blonde boy for all intents and purposes is freddie abby even calls him freddie at one point but this blonde boy is actually the the soul that inhabits golden freddie and golden freddie is the one that shows up at abby's house uh, which is a different freddy than like the regular freddy frasbear golden freddy is the one that is a little bit more rotted he's missing an eye one of his ears is torn he's got some wire showing on him so if you while you watch the movie take notice of how we see freddy throughout the film at the pizzeria and then the freddy that goes to abby's house is actually golden freddy so this boy with the blonde hair the leader of these ghost children actually inhabits golden freddy which we only see very briefly in the movie and this character is played by grant feely grant is known for his work in obi-wan kenobi creep show five nights at freddy's and in the end then we will move on to the uh ghost child that inhabits foxy and this is the boy with red hair who is often seen with a hook for a hand and this child is played by asher colton spence he's known for five nights at freddy's dora and dora and the fantastical creatures next we'll move on to the ghost child with the bunny ears and this child inhabits the character of bonnie which is of course the bunny rabbit 
the blue one. And this character is played by David Houston Dottie, known for Five Nights at Freddy's, Gutter, and We Must Save Our Schools. Next, we'll move on to the child who inhabits the regular Freddy, Freddy Fazbear. And this child was played by Liam Hendricks in the film, often depicted as wearing the hat like Freddy does. And the only role that I could find for him was Five Nights at Freddy's. Then we'll move on to the role of the child who inhabits the Chica doll. Um, And this is, of course, the only female ghost child that we see. And she was played by Joe Phil Love. And the only notable roles I could find for her were FNAF and General Hospital. Then we'll move on to the role of Garrett, who is Mike's younger brother, who was abducted as a child. And Garrett was played by Lucas Grant. Lucas is known for Five Nights at Freddy's, The Patient, and 911 Lone Star. Then we will move on to the role of Jeremiah, who is Mike's previous co-worker. We see him uh, at the mall, another security guard, and he was played by Theodos Crane. Uh, he's an American fighter and actor, best known for his roles on The Walking Dead and Underground. Then we will move on to the two uh, like YouTube cameos that we get. So the first one is the waiter at Sparky's Diner, and he is played by Matthew Patrick, or better known as Matt Pat. And Matt Pat's an American YouTuber and internet personality. He's the creator of the YouTube series Game Theory and then the subsequent spinoffs Film Theory, Food Theory, and Style Theory, each analyzing various um, pop culture things. So Game Theory obviously analyzes video games. And he is kind of the most well-read, I guess you could say, person um, in terms of FNAF. Has sunk thousands and thousands of hours into the lore and the timelines and trying to figure things out. Um, the creator of Five Nights at Freddy's, Scott Coffin, actually has said, like, Matt Pat is the closest to ever come to having everything figured out. Um, but there are definitely pieces that Scott hasn't given us to be able to put all the pieces together. Like, we have an incomplete puzzle. So yeah, I think it's it's very... If you want more in-depth lore, um, I'm going to go into as much lore as I can that makes sense for the context of the movie that we have thus far. So yeah, I'm not going to go into like the bite of 87 lore just because I don't think that that's relevant with the movie and what we have so far. Maybe it'll come up in the subsequent sequels, um, but we will have to just wait and see. Uh, The other cameo that we have is the cab driver who was played by Corey williams and he's an american youtuber and actor best known for playing um horror games and one of the like big fnaf players so now that we've met the cast we can move on to our fun facts so because of foxy's skeletal like structure he was built as a full body animatronic puppet and performed by russ walco along with a group of puppeteers from jim henson's creature shop in shots where Foxy walked, it took as many as six puppeteers to accomplish his full range of movements. Uh, so unlike most studios using CGI for bringing creatures to life, Jim Henson's Creature Shop was responsible for the creation of the Fazbear animatronics, which technically makes all of the animatronics Muppets, which I think is really fun. So even before the movie was released, producer Jason Blum said that it had already made back its budget from selling the streaming and theatrical distribution rights. People were so excited for this, and we'll talk about it as we get down, but they had done, this film had died three times. Like it had, they had tried to do it, and then they lost directors, and there were tons of different things that happened. And so this had been a film a long time in the making. 
So in August 2018, Scott Cawthon, the creator of Five Nights at Freddy's, said that if the first film were to be successful, there could be a second and third following the events of the second and third games, respectively. In January 2023, in an interview on the podcast weekly MGT, Matthew Lillard revealed he signed a three-picture deal with the studios. So we know based on how good the first one did, we're definitely getting a second one, and I imagine the second one will do just as well, so we'll be getting the third. So the opening credits are depicted in Atari-based computer graphics, showing the events that lead to Freddy Fazbear's Pizzeria closing for business. This style of storytelling is present in the majority of the games, foreshadowing the true story behind the events of the franchise. This is Blumhouse Productions' first ever video game adaptation. So this film grossed 80 million domestically in its opening weekend, more than any other Blumhouse film surpassing Halloween that came out in 2018. It's also the second biggest opening weekend gross for any film based on a video game after the Super Mario Bros. movie. On November 20th, 2020, Scott Cawthon revealed that the official Five Nights at Freddy's subreddit that multiple screenplays were considered as well as explaining why those screenplays were rejected. So this one I know made so many people sad and it kind of made me sad as well when I found out. So YouTuber Markiplier, who helped popularize Five Nights at Freddy's, was actually going to have a cameo in the movie as well. Uh, he was going to play the first security guard that we see at the very beginning of the movie um, that gets attacked, but he sadly had to turn it down due to conflicting scheduling with his own upcoming film, Iron Lung, which is also based on a popular horror game. And I'm very, very excited to see Iron Lung when it comes out. But I was so heartbroken to see and hear that Mark was supposed to be in it and then couldn't because of filming. But it would have been really cool to have both him and Matt Pat, but it's okay. It's fine. I'm very excited for Iron Lung. So in an interview with Jason Blum, it was revealed that the film is Blumhouse Productions' top priority, which is not surprising. It It's an existing IP that is so, so, so popular. So the fact that they took it and prioritized it because they knew it would bring them in money, it's a smart business move. Like, And again, it makes sense as to why they wouldn't give it the R rating and make it unaccessible to the kids that have grown up playing that game who possibly aren't 17 or 18 to be able to buy that ticket in the first scene of the movie foxy hums a tune before attacking the preceding security guard this sound effect is taken directly from the first game in the five nights at freddy's series where it is used as an indicator that foxy is close to attacking the player the song featured in the movie is the romantics talking in your sleep which celebrates the 40th anniversary of its release which now i cannot get this out of my head now that i've watched this for the week to try and get and get my notes and everything in order uh it's been in my head and probably will be for the next couple of days at least during the break-in scene carl is wearing a shirt that depicts a scene from freddy fazbear's pizzeria simulator minigame midnight motorist Many items, sets, scenes, and even camera angles in the film are replicated directly from the 2014 video game Five Nights at Freddy's, which the film is based on. For example, the security desk in the film has the same red and white striped cup on it as in the game, and the same Celebrate poster on the wall. The film went through several directors and producers before production finally began. Development of a Five Nights at Freddy's film adaptation began in April of 2015, with the involvement of Warner Brothers Pictures. Roy Lee, David Katzberg, and Seth Graham Smith were set to produce it, with, with Gil Keenan announced as the director and co-writer. After several delays in production, the, the Warner Bros. vision was no longer moving forward, and Keenan dropped out of the project. 
In March 2017, Blumhouse Production was announced as the new production company with Chris Columbus set to direct and co-write. Columbus also ultimately left the project and Emma Tammy was announced as his replacement in October 2022. Jason Blum served as a producer on the film through his Blumhouse production banner and association with game creator Scott Coffin and his production banner. The song that initially plays over the credits is a fan-made song from The Living Tombstones titled Five Nights at Freddy's. The game series, which serves as the film's source material, premiered on August 8, 2014, and now comprises an expansive number of entries. Filming of the movie was completed in two months. So when Aunt Jane is watching TV, the living room setup is exactly the same one as Michael's room from Five Nights at Freddy's sister location. During the opening credits, Matthew Lillard is credited next to a scene of Purple Guy putting on the spring bonnie slash spring trap suit foreshadowing that he will be the killer all along however sadly it was announced on accident that he was cast as william afton instead of steve raglan that was how he was supposed to be announced as being connected to the movie um and so anyone who knew anything about five nights at freddy's knows that william afton is essentially the the villain of the story so we knew that going in but I think, honestly, with how everything was written, I think most people would have put together that he would have been the bad guy in the end before, like, the big unveiling. When Mike is talking to Abby's teacher, the words puppet, bear, bunny, fox, and chick are all visible on the blackboard. Before William Afton reveals his face, he wipes his knife in the same way Ghostface does in the Scream series, a clear hint at his identity. Um, he also says, I always come back, which people think is also a nod to scream but the line i always come back was first seen in the game freddy fazbear's pizzeria simulator in 2017 while the break-in is occurring a dog animatronic can be seen in parts and services this could be a reference to fetch dog animatronics from the fnaf books and could also be a reference to sparky the dog a really convincing hoax animatronics in five nights at freddy's one after Afton is attacked by the animatronics, he's left in the parts and services room, still inside the suit, twitching from the spring lock mechanism. The way he moves is very similar to the trailer for Five Nights at Freddy's 3, which came out in 2015. The first appearance of the character William Afton slash Springtrap, in which part of the plot of this movie is based on. The animatronic that Chica tries to stuff Abby into is very similar to the Ella doll from the 2015 novel Five Nights at Freddy's The Silver Eyes, but it's much bigger and it's now a spring lock suit. So just before Jeff is killed, Foxy is shown to be standing at the far end of the hall and then is suddenly upon him. This is likely a reference to Five Nights at Freddy's 2, which came out in 2014, in which Foxy is often seen standing at the far end of the hall and jump scares the player by leaping upon them very suddenly. Furthermore, the sound he makes just before is the same noise that he makes in Five Nights at Freddy's. The bread button that is pressed to engage the animatronics says Showtime, a reference to Showbiz Pizza, which is an actual pizza place with real animatronics that would sing. Uh, so then there is a mid credit scene showing the rest of the cab driver's evening where we get a little jump scare from Balloon Boy. And then at the end of the credits, a distorted robotic voice spells out, come find me, in reference to the hidden death mini game for the second game, Five Nights at Freddy's 2. And those are our fun facts. Very excited to get into the breakdown of this. Again, I know some people didn't like it. I know some people were super disappointed. I thought it was such a fun time. And... I'm really excited to see what they do with the rest of the trilogy. And I'm just so excited that so many people enjoyed it. Like an 87 audience rating, that's great. That's amazing, especially for, 
I think how high so many people's expectations were for this movie because of the source material. So while it is a bummer that we didn't get a super gory thing, the games, well, the future games, the first one I don't think is that gory. Um, The ones coming when we get like the rotten animatronics and that sort of stuff, those ones get a little, a little more spooky. But I think target audience wise, this is supposed to be a build-up and an entryway horror movie for younger people and it also makes me excited because this was i mean this was such a small indie game when it started and it has grown into something unbelievable because of the community um so it was really cool to see that community then show up for this we'll see how it goes with the second one um but yeah like i said if i would have been in middle school now or even late elementary school, this would have been a staple blockbuster rent when I had people over to sleep to sleep over. Like this would like let's get my parents to get us pizza. Let's watch Five Nights at Freddy's. It yeah, would have been amazing. I want to do that now with my friends. Like let's order pizza, let's watch Five Nights at Freddy's and just just enjoy it. All right, now we can jump into our scene-by-scene breakdown. We open on a black screen, we hear someone whimpering, and then we cut to the inside of Freddy Fazbear's Pizza. We are inside the security office, and we see the current security guard trying very hard to take off the um, top part of a grate so that he can kind of get in the ducts. We can see that the door behind him has been blockaded with things, um, hope it seems as though to keep something out to keep him safe inside he's finally able to get the top off of this grate and he starts crawling through these air ducts he's got a flashlight he's got a little security guard outfit on and he's trying clearly to get away from something something appears to be chasing him and this is the character that was going to be markiplier um but of course like we said he was unable to make the time commitment because he was filming his own movie Uh, so the security guard is able to find his way into another room he ends up pushing the great off of that comes off pretty easily and he drops the flashlight when he gets into this new room we appear to be in some type of storage area there's all these storage shelves and things and then he spots an exit sign he leaves out that door and makes his way into a much larger hallway and we can see that there's all these um i'll call them fun time lights you know they're just like blue green red lights and he leaves out the storage room and goes down the hallway and we see that in the lights there is a shadow of the animatronic foxy This man then comes to this iron gate inside this building that is locked and shut that leads to the exit he's trying to get to. He is unable to get this open. He's pushing on it. He's, you know, trying to get out of this gated door, Um, but something is coming up rapidly behind him. He ends up getting captured and put into this machine and is killed by this really creepy Freddy Fazbear looking machine Um, and this scene to me feels very saw-esque which i love and the security guard is trying to get himself out of this trap essentially there's these little screws his hands are bound in this chair and so he's trying to unscrew the little bolt that's holding the brace over his arm and he almost gets the first one out but he's just not quick enough and this suit closes on him kills him and we get our opening credits we pan around inside freddy fazbear's pizza and we see that there's all these children's drawings and then we 
hold on this picture of the golden bonnie slash spring trap suit and this drawing has the spring trap suit in the middle and then all of these five children uh, holding hands with spring trap we then get our uh, main credits that are in the like 8-bit style which of course is a callback to the mini games and a lot of the cutscenes in the five nights at freddy's games and it's a really cool opening i love that they added this that's a huge of course nod to the games and I think it was a really cool way to give the credits um, and also put in those little pieces of lore and stuff from the games and the stuff that we might see in future sequels but didn't touch on in this movie. So now we see our main character, Mike, waking up. His alarm is going off. We can see that he has this little tape recorder by his bed. There's a prescription bottle, and we can see that above his bed is a like tourist poster that says, Visit Nebraska. We then cut to a bunch of kids' drawings. Mike goes in to check on his little sister, Abby, and he's asking if she's ready to go. We see that her bed is empty, and in the corner of the room, there's this little fort that Abby has made. And so mike goes over wakes abby up he's like you know i have to go we have to be out of here in five minutes like please get up we have stuff to do he leaves the room reminds her again she's got five minutes and then she jokingly throws like one of her stuffed animals at him we cut to him at the mall he's sitting with a friend they're like security officers at the mall and he's chatting with a coworker, and they're talking about dream theory which is basically the idea that uh, we never actually forget anything there's just certain memories of ours that are just kind of like stuck in the back of our brain but you can, based on how you sleep and how you dream, you can cause yourself to bring those memories back in your dreams and kind of go through them again and walk through them. And so Mike is explaining to his coworker that, you know, he believes in this and that he thinks it's really interesting. Then we see that Mike is going to get ice cream at the food court. While he's in line, he notices this little boy kind of standing at the other end of the food court looking really worried. So Mike's kind of keeping an eye on this kid. He tells the woman working at the ice cream place that, you know, he'll just get his normal. And then this older man shows up and grabs the little kid by the arm and like kind of drags him away. And the kid seems very uncomfortable. Mike thinks that this boy is being abducted. So he runs from the ice cream shop follows this man and this boy and then as he's catching up to them he's like calling after he's like excuse me excuse me and then he tackles the man into this large fountain in the middle of the mall just like full football tackles this guy and starts punching the crap out of him we now cut to mike sitting in this office area his number is called and then he goes in and this is when we meet matthew lillard's character steve raglan steve is essentially a career coach and so like he helps get people's jobs in the community and him and mike are having this conversation and steve's like what is your deal mike like you can't keep a job you're fired for insubordination you quit after a couple of days like what's going on you also then beat up this man in broad daylight in front of his child so then we know that the man wasn't abducting the kid but also maybe like be nicer to your children um the kid looked lost and then you just come up and grab him by the arm to drag him out of the mall like that's not very nice mike tries to explain that it was just a misunderstanding and this is when steve goes into all of the jobs that mike has had that didn't work out steve's like you're you know you're not even trying but you come to me and asking for help but you know how do I know that this next time is going to be any different kind of is, is his thought process. And then Steve goes to read Mike's full name. He's like, who are you, Michael? Sh mm. And then he just kind of pauses. He leans forward and 
then he stands up and asks Mike if he wants coffee. And Mike seems very thrown off by this because Steve uh, originally kind of wasn't being super friendly. He's kind of being a little condescending. And now he's like, do you want coffee? Mike's like, I'm, I'm sorry, what? And Steve offers again. And Mike's like, no, thank you. And then Steve goes, I'm going to be brutally honest with you here, Mike. Given your track record, your options are going to be extremely limited. Mike says he'll take anything. Steve's like, no, I get that part, but it's just not that easy. Mark then kind of gets the hint. He stands up. He goes to the door. He's like, you know, well, thanks for your time. And Steve's then like, I have a job for you. He tells Mike to come sit back down. And you can tell that Mike's a little uncomfortable with how Steve's acting. Like he's just trying to figure this guy out, but it's not not really happening because Steve's just kind of an odd dude. But Mike comes down. He sits sits back in the chair. He seems a little frazzled, maybe a little frustrated. And Mike wants to know what kind of job it is. Steve says it's a security job and then goes on to say, we've had a hard time pe- keeping people in the role. It's high turnover. He then tells Mike that he only has one thing to worry about, keeping people out and keeping the place tidy. Mike's like, that's two things. And then Steve asks if he wants the job or not. Mike asks how the pay is and Steve says, not great, but the hours are worse. Mike says he can't do nights and Steve chuckles and he's like, well, that's such a shame, Mike. Mike's like, yeah. He goes to stand up and leave again and then Steve's like, take my card in case you have a change of heart. Mike gives him a little hand wave as like a thank you and then we see Mike exit the building. We see Mike driving back to the little house that he shares with his sister. When he gets home, we see that there's a notice on the door that he hasn't been paying the bill so there could be further issues for him in the future if he doesn't pay for the house. He comes in and talks with the babysitter, Max, and she tells him that they're stofers if he's hungry. He asks if Abby ate, and she's like, well, what do you think? We then see Mike go and talk to Abby. She's drawing. She clearly loves drawing. There's all of these drawings all over her walls, and we see that she's drawing a picture of her brother. They have a little conversation about the drawing. He's like, oh, you know, what are you drawing? Like, I know who that handsome guy is, but like, what else is going on in this picture? Mike tells her that she can finish the drawing when she's done eating, but she's says that she's not hungry she doesn't want to eat and he's like can you please just come eat and they argue a little bit and he's trying to like take the crayon from her because she's kind of not paying attention or he feels like she's not paying attention the crayon breaks in half and they just kind of glare at each other he goes and sits on the edge of the bed and he's like can you please just eat some food and when he sits on the edge of the bed she turns and looks at him and she's like you're sitting on my friend and he kind of looks down and he's just like okay whatever he stands up he's like you know what I don't have the energy. Do whatever you want. He then leans back in the door after he leaves and he's like, but you should know what happens to little kids who donate their dinners. Their bodies stay the same size forever and they never get to ride the adult rides at the amusement park. She then looks over to her bed where her imaginary friend is sitting. Then she looks back at Mike and she's like, my friend thinks you're an idiot. And then Mike leans in a little closer. He goes, at least I'm real. And then he closes her door and leaves. It's now evening. Mike's getting ready for bed and we see that he has his dream theory book on his nightstand the tape recorder and these prescription sleep medication he turns on nature sounds in the little recording device and then gets into bed and goes to sleep we are now in mike's dream with him and he's dreaming about a time with his family before abby was born he actually had a younger brother who was abducted while the family was camping he keeps wanting to go back to that memory of the day that his brother was taken to try to remember more of what happened and hopefully figure out what happened to his brother we see that mike was like maybe between 10 and 12 and we see that his parents are grilling up food mike's eating and then his mom says hey can you watch your brother for a second as she's like busy doing something mike says of course and then of course what happens he takes his eyes off of his brother for just a moment and then the next thing that we see is garrett in the back of a car 
being driven away and Mike is trying to chase after the car. But, you know, as like a 10 or 11 year old, he's not going to be able to outrun this car. And it's this really great transition because we see Mike running through like the woods and then he passes like young Mike uh, running through the woods. And then we see him pass in front of a tree. And then, of course, older Mike is now running for Garrett. We see Mike wake up in the morning, he rewinds his tape, and then we see a photo of him and his parents and Garrett from, I would assume, right around the time that Garrett went missing, since the ages seem to be very similar. Now we're at Abby's school, and Mike is having a meeting with his aunt, her lawyer, and one of the teachers. The aunt is upset because she wants custody of Abby. The aunt thinks that Abby is mentally ill because she draws pictures all day and talks to people who don't exist. But it's also like she's a child, and that's what they do. Like, they have imaginary friends, and they like to color. It's not... And Abby's, like, 10. You know, like, she's... She's fine. She's a normal kid. The aunt is also trying to make Mike look like an aggressive person because of what he did at his last security job to the man who was leaving with his child. I get this whole thing, but the aunt's being very dramatic. She's crying. She puts her head in her hands and she's just like, you know, this is just terrible. And he's just a monster. And yeah, she's really trying to pull out all the stops. She then pulls out custody papers or has her lawyer pull out custody papers that she wants Mike to sign, essentially relinquishing uh, him of his parental rights of Abby or his custodial rights, not parental rights. She then tells Mike, you know, it's the right thing to do. And I hope that you'll sign. Mike's like, and if I don't, and Aunt Jane goes on to say, uh, my lawyer and I will take you to court where any judge within an ounce of sanity will see that you will never see your sister again. And then she asks Mike if that's what he wants. We then see Mike talking with the teacher after this meeting, and Mike's like, she doesn't even care about Abby, she just wants the checks from the government for taking care of her, but I also feel like I'm hardly fit to be raising a child, so I don't really know what to do. And the teacher's like, you know all the pictures that she draws are important to her, and you're in 90% of them, so you're an important person to her. And Mike's like, I could drop dead tomorrow and she wouldn't even know because she's talking to air. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. And the teacher's like, I wouldn't discredit yourself, like you're clearly 90% of her world. So give yourself some more credit. She asks if he's gotten a job and he says no. And she's like, well, that's, you know, that's where you're going to have to start. We then cut back to Mike and Abby at the house. He's sitting at the table and decides to give Steve a call. Steve answers and Mike's like, you know, tell me more about the job. I just want to know if it's still available. Steve says, absolutely it is. And he asks Mike if he's had a change of heart. Mike then turns and looks at Abby, who's watching TV, and Mike asks how soon he could start. We then get a little montage of Mike driving to Freddy Fazbear's Pizza, and while he's driving, we hear Steve telling him on the phone, let me give you a little backstory. The place was huge in the 80s with the kids, and as Mike is driving, we see that it's pretty much totally abandoned. Um, One of the signs is knocked down, and Steve says, it's been shut down for years. The only reason it hasn't been totally wrecked is because the guy who owns it is a little bit sentimental. He just can't bring himself to let it go. Steve explains that they've had trouble with break-ins in the last few years, which obviously isn't ideal. We then see Mike getting there. He unlocks this big chain on, um, you know, the exterior door and makes his way inside. Steve says that the security system is decent, but the electricity is a little bit iffy. They've got floodlights out front and a security system. As Mike is making his way through the pizzeria, there's a bunch of broken glass on the floor and, of course, a bunch of posters and memorabilia and arcade games. Steve says if anything happens, just flip the breaker and that should fix any electrical issues. We see Mike flip the breaker on and... The lights inside goes on, the lights outside the, on the front of the building go on, and Steve says, it's pretty easy, just keep your eyes on the monitors and keep people out. 
we now see Mike in the security office. He sits and there's a bunch of different monitors. And then there's a tape that he plays that's an introduction into Freddy Fazbear's Pizza. And it's very 80s coded. It's super great. I absolutely love that we got that detail. Mike watches the video and we see that there's a security training video and we get a little bit more background on the pizzeria. The trainer says, if you're watching this, you've been selected as Freddy's new security guard. We're going to have so much fun together. The genius who created Fazbear Entertainment opened Freddy Fazbear's Pizzeria to indulge in his two greatest passions, family-friendly fun and cutting-edge animatronic technology. State-of-the-art robotic engineering enables our characters to interact with guests in truly lifelike fashion while cleverly concealed rechargeable lithium cages give them limited range to roam free. Let's introduce you to some of the stars of the show. We then see the trainer push this large red button on the wall that says showtime and these red curtains open and this is when we see Freddy, Chica, and Bonnie for the first time in this video. They do their little like programmed dance number or they start to. The screen then starts flickering, gives some static, so Mike kind of has to hit the side of the TV. Everything comes back into frame and the trainer says, adorable, aren't they? Protecting these cuddly critters and technology are now your sacred duty. Keep them safe and help ensure that Freddy Fazbear's Pizzeria is here to delight, dazzle, and entertain for years. And as she starts to say for years to come, it all static and fades out. Mike turns off the TV and then he goes and checks out the security office a little bit more. He opens this little locker door and we get a jump scare from the little balloon boy. And Mike like, you know, closes the locker door really quick and then he opens it and he just turns balloon boy around. And then he finds the security jacket. He puts that on. He goes out to the main floor of the pizzeria. He's got his little flashlight. He takes a look around and we get to see more of Freddy Fazbear's. We see that there's this arcade area. It looks like you can, of course, win tickets and then go and exchange them for prizes. There's, of course, the restrooms. There's stained glass art of the characters. There's booths for people to sit and eat the pizza. Mike finds the wall of all of the drawings. As he's walking around, it sounds like something has fallen on the floor in the distance of this pizzeria. Mike calls out and, of course, nothing responds. So he goes over to where the noise came from to check it out. He makes his way over to the stage. The curtains are drawn a little bit. He peeks behind the curtains and we get a little jump scare by Bonnie, who, of course, isn't um, you know, doing anything sinister. Is literally just standing on the stage like he's supposed to. And Bonnie is the blue one, like the blue bunny rabbit then we see chica who is the yellow one and carries a little cupcake and then of course freddy the bear is up front and center we then see that it's currently three in the morning and mike is asleep on the security desk um you know he's got his head folded on his arms on the desk and we hear crackling over the announcement speaker then we cut to mike's dream that he, you know he keeps having about the day that his brother went missing it's exactly like we saw in the first round He's running after the car, but this time it doesn't end after he sees the car drive away. This time Mike turns around and there are five children standing behind him looking at him. Mike asks what this is. He asks who the kids are and then he asks if they know what happened to the car. They ask, you know, he, he's like, do you know who was in the car? And the kids are just all staring at him and they look to be between, I would say, six and ten-ish range. So right about Abby's age. Mike asks if they saw who took his brother and then all of the kids scatter like they all just start running in opposite directions um mike goes to chase after this one boy with blonde hair and the striped shirt who of course inhabits the golden freddy suit like we talked about 
Um, but he's chasing him. He trips over a rock, falls down, which causes the real Mike to wake up. And he's essentially thrown himself out of the chair on the floor. And we hear that his alarm is going off on his watch because it is six in the morning, which is when the game ends. Like if you make it through a night, you have to get to six in the morning and that counts as the end of your shift. So Mike has made it through the first night at Freddy's night one done. Mike, of course, seems really confused because of course this is a version of his dream or memory that he hasn't seen yet we cut to mike getting home we see that max is babysitting again she's asleep on the couch they say hello to one another and mike goes and sits in the chair in the living room max asks how the evening went and mike says it was interesting and then max gets her stuff and leaves but before she fully leaves mike's like i do plan on paying you one day and she's like that's okay and she jokingly is like it's fine i know where you live he smiles mike goes to check on abby who's still in bed curled up with a stuffed animal we then cut to Sparky's coffee shop or like diner and coffee shop. And this is when we see Matt Pat and he's the waiter. He comes up and we see that Max is in a booth with her brother, Jeff, and Aunt Jane is there with the lawyer, Doug. They're meeting at the diner and we find out that Max was hired by the aunt to try and find any dirt on Mike that would be evidence to show that Abby should be taken away from him. You know, that he's neglectful or anything like that. Max doesn't have any evidence. She couldn't find anything. She's like, there's no drugs. I don't know what to tell you. He's not negligent. He's not abusive. There's nothing that she found that could be used to prove that he's unfit to be raising Abby. The waiter asks if they would like food. The aunt says no. And the waiter's like, well, you know, lunch is the most important meal of the day. And they're like, I thought people said that about breakfast. And he says, well, some people say that, but that's just a theory. And then the aunt excuses him before he can, you know, that's like his buildup for his YouTube channel is that's just a theory, a game theory. So it was such a great little nod. And I was, I was so very, very happy to see him in the theater. I thought it was very sweet. So Max and her brother are upset because the aunt is now refusing to pay. She was going to pay Max $200, but she's like, I was only going to pay you if you found something. That was the deal. I would pay you $200 if you found evidence that I could use. They start talking and Max's brother Jeff is like, well, he got this new job as a security guard. How about we break into the place, cause some ruckus, he gets fired. And of course that will look bad against him. But the brother wants more money from the aunt because this job's a little bit more dangerous. And then Doug, the lawyer, is like, I should not be hearing any of this. And he goes to stand up, but he's on the inside section of the booth, like nearest the wall. And the aunt is sitting next to him. And she's like, you're going to sit down and you're not going anywhere. She kind of gives me like Cruella DeVille vibes. She's wearing this like leopard blazer and she's just evil. Very much reminded me of Cruella DeVille. So before they fully decide on going in and tossing the pizzeria, Max's brother Jeff is like why don't we just kill him and Doug freaks out again and he stands up he's like I really should not be hearing this but they agree they're not going to kill him they're just going to go in mess up the place hopefully get him fired and Aunt Jane is going to pay them a thousand dollars we are now back with Mike and Abby Mike's currently jumping on his bed trying to get the visit Nebraska poster off the wall but he's not tall enough he ends up ripping the poster a little bit Abby comes in and we see that she's wearing his like little security vest he tells her to take it off. She says, no. She's like, I want to come with you. He's like, no, you're not coming with me. I need the jacket. We see the two of them have this little like sibling squabble. He picks her up and puts her in her room and takes the jacket. And she's like, no, I want to come with you. And he's like, you're not coming with me. And she's like, yes, I am. And he's like, no, you're not. It's a very cute little sibling thing. While we see the two of them argue, there, there's clearly, you know, they, they do care for each other. And it's, I love seeing siblings in horror movies. And I think that these two are pretty good. We see that it's raining very hard this evening, very much adds to the spooky vibes. 
Mike has now taken his visit Nebraska poster to work and we see the lights flicker a little bit. We also see the stage where Bonnie, Chica, and Freddie are supposed to be is currently empty. The curtain has been pulled back and the animatronics are nowhere to be found. Mike is asleep in the chair and the security office with his nature sounds like in headphones. So we cut back to Mike's dream and he is again chasing after the car as adult Mike and then he turns around and he sees all of the kids are there. Mike asks him not to run. He's like, I just want to know what you saw. The kids hold for a moment. Mike's like, I'm begging you, like, please help me. And the kids all run again. Mike decides this time to chase after the young boy in the orange jumper. And he's able to catch up with the kid. But the kid then turns around and very much like Freddy Krueger style cuts Mike on the arm. The kid screams. He's got blood coming out of his eyes. And of course, this causes Mike to wake up. And the light in the security office is flickering really bad. He pulls up the headphones and all of the screens are messed up. They're all like staticky. And then we hear music start coming through the speakers. There's fog on the mirror in the security office, and it looks like someone has, like, written, you know, like, with their finger, it's me. The music starts blasting through the announcement speakers, and it's the song Talking in Your Sleep by the Romantics. This, of course, has Mike all freaked out. He's trying to figure out what's going on. He makes his way over. He flips the breaker off and then back on. And as he walks past the open security office door to flip the breaker we see that foxy is standing almost right outside the door just standing mike flips the breaker back on and then someone is buzzing at the front door mike goes to check the monitors everything seems fine the music stopped but there's now a police car outside of freddy fazbear's pizza and we can see there's a female officer outside with his poncho on looking around trying to look in the front door Mike goes, opens the door, and she's like, oh, good, I'm glad you're here. I was starting to think maybe you fell asleep. He asks if he can help her with something. She says that her name is Vanessa, and she tries, like, thinking, you know, that then he'll offer up his name. He doesn't, and she's like, okay, so you're the new security guard, and then she realizes that he's bleeding. He has cuts on his arms like he got from the dream, so very much Freddy Krueger style, which I loved. Vanessa then just kind of invites herself in and she's like, come on, I know where they keep the first aid kit and then just walks right past Mike. We then cut to the security office. Vanessa says that she loves what he's done with the place, talking about like the Nebraska poster and she helps Mike with his bandage. We find out that she's of course a certified EMT as a police officer and she's like, so if your heart ever goes out, I'm the one that you'll want to call. She's being like really friendly for someone that's just met Mike and Mike's like, you really seem to know your way around the place and Vanessa's like, yeah, Freddy's is on my beat so I like to, you know, keep a good idea of what's going on in my area and then she also confides that she really loved the place as a kid. She offers her full name, which is Vanessa Shelley, and extends her hand to, like, you know, meet Mike again. He says that his name is Mike, and then Vanessa asks if he's doing okay this evening, and he's like, what do you mean? And she's like, well, your eyes are bloodshot, your heart rate's through the roof, and aside from the gash on your arm, which, let's be honest, is really bizarre, you've been acting suspicious since the moment you opened the door. She's standing there with her arms crossed, kind of accusatory, and Mike's like, look, it's just been a weird night. Vanessa then kind of seems to relax a little bit. She looks over at the monitor and she's like, yeah, that sounds like Freddy's. Vanessa explains that the place gets to people and she tells Mike, it's one of the reasons you're going to quit. Mike looks really confused and he's like, well, what do you mean? And she's like, the security hires never last. She asks Mike if he's met them yet and Mike says, met who? She then takes Mike and they go out to the main like pizzeria floor and she flips on the internal lights so all the arcade games like turn on. And then Mike asks her what the other reasons are that he's going to quit. 
And she's like, well, you tell me, do you really see yourself here in 10, 20 years? Like, are the benefits really good maybe? And he just kind of scoffs. And she's like, yeah, I didn't think so. Vanessa then makes a comment about kids that have gone missing. And Mark is trying to get more information about that because it's just kind of a weird bomb to drop and then like leave. And Vanessa's like, just prepare to have your mind blown. She walks over to the red showtime button and presses it. We see the curtains open and then we see Foxy come out first on this little side stage area. And then we see Foxy has a hook for a hand. Um, we see that Bonnie, Freddie, and Chica are on the main stage and they start performing Talking in Your Sleep by the Romantics. Mike is like, this is... And before he can finish his sentence, Vanessa tries to you know finish it for him and it's like the best thing you've ever seen in your life she just has this big smile on her face clearly loving it they watch for a moment and then vanessa asks mike if he wants to dance and then right at that moment there's a little electrical issue and the animatronics go dark and essentially like go back to sleep kind of vanessa says maybe next time and then mike's like okay but like go back to what you said earlier about kids going missing and Vanessa's like, yeah, it was back in the 80s. It was big news. That's kind of why the place shut down. She seems shocked that he didn't know about it. And then she makes the comment, you're not even wearing your badge. She she goes over to where like you would get the prizes, you know, like exchange tickets for prizes. And she pulls out a little fake badge and puts it on his security vest. She's like, now you're official. We see the two of them leaving. Mike's locking up. And Vanessa's pulling out in her squad car. But before she leaves fully, she kind of stops where he's standing and she's like, just a word of advice. Don't let the place get to you. Just do your job. You're going to be fine. And then she leaves. And he has now survived two nights at Freddy's. We see Mike getting in the car and leave. And then we see that Max's brother is sitting kind of across the street waiting with his motorcycle outside of Freddy's. He calls his sister and tells her that it's showtime. Jeff says, as soon as he gets back, meet me here. I think I see a way in. We then cut to him opening this little like side warehouse door, like a garage door, you know, like it, like inventory would come in, you know, when they have like shipments of, of um, merchandise or food or, or um, supplies, you know what I mean? We then see Max is there, her brother is there, and then a couple of his friends are there as well. They make their way inside. Jeff says, now be quick, but thorough, maximum damage, minimum time. And as he's talking, we see that the animatronics are kind of waking up. You know, they're blinking, they're moving a little bit. And then Max brother Jeff says, if you find anything of value, grab it and we'll split whatever we find later. We get a little montage of them smashing stuff. Jeff, the brother, there's Hank, the really tall, like larger guy. And then Carl, the kind of more scrawny guy. We first got to Carl, who's in the kitchen. He's kind of knocking stuff over. And then he hears something coming from what looks to be the inside of the refrigerator. And it seems like the doors are rattling. We also see this giant vent fan kind of start moving behind him. And we see that Chica's on the other side of this fan. Carl makes his way over to the fridge. And we see the fridge move a little bit more. So there's clearly something inside. Carl makes his way over, grabs the right side of the door. And it's one of those, like, you know, double, like, French door refrigerators. So he opens the right one. Of course, there's nothing. Opens the left side. And we see that Chica's little cupcake is on one of the racks. The cupcake opens his eyes. Carl takes his flashlight out. And then something rattles behind him. So he turns around. When he turns back to the fridge, the cupcake is gone. He turns back around and Chica is now standing in the kitchen behind him holding the cupcake and they're both just staring at Carl very menacingly and then we would get I would say it's a decent-ish jump scare um, the little cupcake jumps out of Chica's hands toward Carl toward the camera and we cut to Hank who's in the main area of the pizzeria and he's just like throwing chairs 
throws a chair at like the prize desk to break the glass. Uh, he hears Carl screaming and makes his way to the window. And this is when he sees that the cupcake is on Carl's face attacking him. We see Hank and Chica make eye contact. And then we see Jeff entering the security office. Jeff then takes a giant pipe and goes like he's going to start smashing the monitors. But then he sees and hears Hank running through the pizzeria parlor, screaming, running from something. We see Hank go into this little storage room. Jeff then starts calling out for Hank. Hank now realizes that he's locked in the storage room. And as he's trying to find the light, we see that Bonnie is standing right behind him. Jeff has now made his way into the hallway that Hank had got down. He's trying to like get to the door where Hank is. But before he makes it there, we hear Hank get attacked by Bonnie and this causes Jeff to stop because he just hears his friend screaming. Then we hear all this crunching and then Bonnie makes their way out of the storage room and turns their attention to Jeff, which of course causes Jeff to drop this crowbar that he was carrying and take off running with this bag of quarters that he he had basically emptied out like all of the arcade machines. He locks himself in the security office, picks up his phone, and when he puts his head up to the receiver, and it's like not a cell phone, it's you know like a landline phone in the office. Um, when he puts his the receiver up to his ear he just hears kids screaming now on the monitors he can see that bonnie chica and the little cupcake are staring up at the monitors almost like they're looking at him we see chica put the little cupcake in one of the like vents and the cupcake is now making its way through the vents to the security office jeff sees the little vent opening throws himself in front of the like door to it and the cupcake is unable to get in it's a really great shot because we get a shot from the cupcake's perspective like running into this vent door eventually everything stops the cupcake stops and then the security door like office door slowly opens jeff stands up makes his way to the door peeks out there's an emergency exit just to his left jeff steps into the hallway and is trying to get out this emergency exit but it's not opening at this point we see foxy appear at the end of the hallway it's a great callback to the games because we see foxy at one end of the hallway the lights flicker and then foxy is has basically advanced in that quick time to where the character is foxy rushes jeff and that is the end of jeff next we see max make her way into the building you know she was like waiting out in the truck and the boys hadn't come out yet so she goes in she starts calling for her brother calling for them she doesn't hear anything she walks past this little doorway which was the same cage door from the beginning that the security guard couldn't get out of but at this point the little blonde boy who inhabits the golden freddy animatronic comes out of that so now it's unlocked and max sees him and turns around and is like hey no wait like come back and so she starts following this boy through freddy's like through these back hallways the little boy then leads max into the parts and services room which just has like a couple of um what look to be like broken animatronics but we see that freddy is standing there and max grabs this folding chair opens it in front and then stands on it so that she can be eye to eye with freddy she leans in i think assuming that the boy is in the costume but as she gets closer that we see this little arm come out like a reach out of freddy's throat grab max pull her in we then cut to the freddy shadow that's on the wall so we don't actually see this we just see the shadow but max's body gets pulled halfway into freddy's mouth the jaw then clamps down on it essentially cutting max in half it's such a great kill i think it was such a great addition to add like 
I mean, that's a pretty violent one that we see. And I think to keep within the PG-13, having it be the shadow, I absolutely loved that kill. I thought it was really, really clever. Um, and yeah, just made me happy. Made me happy to see. We now cut to Abby and Mike at their house. Abby's sitting on the floor in the kitchen coloring while she watches cartoons. Mike goes and sits on the couch behind her and asks her what she's up to. She doesn't say anything. He's like, I guess you don't want this then. And then he gives her the badge that Vanessa had given him the night before. Abby looks at it and then just kind of sets it on the table and doesn't say anything. And he's like, okay, fine. He picks it up and then tosses it into this big um, like drawer that they have by their front door, which essentially just kind of looks like a junk drawer. It's like overfilled with just a bunch of stuff. He tosses it in there and then goes to... I'm guessing go to his room. He walks down the hallway, like to the back of the house. Mike then tells Abby that he's trying his best. Again, she doesn't say anything. And like I said, he continues down the hallway. Abby then gets up and goes to the drunk door that Mike had just been in. And she finds the custody papers that their aunt had given Mike. And as she was trying to pull the drawer open though, it got stuck. So she pulled and the whole drawer came out, which like, you know, made a mess and caused a ruckus mike comes out to check on abby and she's just sitting on the floor looking at these pictures looking or looking at these papers looking heartbroken mike comes out to see if she's okay and she apologizes for making the mess mike tells her that the papers don't mean anything that they're just papers and abby wants to know why he has them mike says it's complicated and he goes to start talking about aunt jane and before he can say anything else abby's like i hate her she smells like cigarettes and she's mean mike laughs and abby's like it's not funny and he's like it's, you're right it's not funny but i'm glad that you and i actually can agree on something abby asks if he's going to give her away and he goes absolutely not he shakes his head no and then there's a knock at the door and vanessa's there abby meets vanessa really quickly and then vanessa's like mike never mentioned that he had a daughter and abby's like gross and mike's like well because she's my sister and vanessa's like oh well he didn't tell me that he had a sister either and abby asks if vanessa's there to arrest mike because of course vanessa's still in her uniform and mike's like hey abby can you give vanessa nine minutes so that we can talk about whatever's going on vanessa and abby say goodbye to one another she goes off to finish watching cartoons and coloring vanessa then tells mike that someone broke into freddy's and she pulls mike's sleeping pills out of her pocket and he tries to explain that they're sleeping pills and she's like i know what they are it's written on the bottle mike vanessa's like if you're too out of it to remember to lock the door accident or not you are liable as a security guard like it's called criminal negligence this is not good Mike says that she wouldn't understand, and Vanessa's like, well, then help me, because the moment I file that report, it's out of my hands. They're still standing in the doorway of the house, and Mike kind of looks back at Abby and then asks Vanessa if she has time to take a walk. The two of them walk to this little, like, canal area, this little river, um, and sit down, and Mike tells Vanessa about what happened with his brother. He's like, I've been trying to access those memories in my dreams so that I can figure out what happened to Garrett. Once he finishes telling Vanessa, he's like, this is normally the part where people tell me that I'm crazy. And Vanessa's like, nah, I've seen crazy. That's not crazy. Like, not even close. She asks about the sleeping pills. And Mike's like, going back to the same memory. Night after night is not easy. The pills help. Other things, familiar sights, sounds, the Nebraska poster, the nature sounds. Vanessa says that Abby seems really cool and asks if it's just the two of them. Mike's like, yeah, our mom died a little while back and dad just couldn't handle it. And then he just kind of like, starts to say something but then trails off mike says when garrett and i were kids they were those perfect parents like you'd see on tv we would sit down together have dinner every night we would say grace mike's like at the time i thought it was cheesy but now that it's gone you know i i miss it 
Vanessa says that him and Abby still have each other, and Vanessa says, from where I sit, I say you're pretty lucky. She then gets a call on her radio that she's got to go do other stuff. She stands up, throws the prescription bottle in the canal, and tells him no more sleeping on the job. While you're at Freddy's, you stay alert. And then she walks off. We cut back to the house. It's evening. Mike needs to leave for work, but Max is nowhere to be found. He keeps calling her and calling her, but the phone just keeps going to voicemail every time. This means he needs to bring Abby to work with him. They pull into the parking lot and Mike turns around in the front seat and says, you will sleep. I will work. It's not a vacation. We're not here to have fun. This is my job. But Abby's so excited to be at work with him. Like she just seems elated. She goes running inside. And this is when we see the mess that was caused by Max, Carl, Jeff, and Hank. Well, mostly Jeff, Carl, and Hank. Mike takes Abby back to the security office and makes her a little fort with a table that's in there. He sets her up with a little lamp on the the desk so that she's got a little nightlight. She goes to sleep and he gets to work on cleaning. Mike goes into the little back room where Hank was attacked and he sees that there's blood on the door. Um, And then he gets jump scared again by the little balloon boy figure. He turns him around again and it's like on this little shelf. We get a montage of Mike cleaning and picking things up and getting everything back in order everything's cleaned he makes his way to the security office and it's four in the morning he's got two hours left of his shift mike is going to try and get a little bit of sleep he puts on his headphones falls asleep and then we see from the point of view of someone else in the pizzeria they've made their way down the hallway into the security office and they wake up abby abby wakes up and goes to nudge her brother but he of course is asleep she whispers to him that we will be right back and then she makes her way into the main area of the pizzeria of course with like the stage the arcade and everything abby calls out to whoever's in there she's like hello like where did you go she then goes over to the stage and she's like i know you're back there you might as well come out And this is when we see Bonnie's eyes open. We don't really see a ton of Bonnie, but we hear them making their way to the stage and we see the glow of their eyes. We then cut to Mike in his office. He's in the dream. We see the car driving away. He turns around and we see the little blonde boy in the striped shirt is just sitting on the ground playing with a stick. Mike asks, you know, you're one of those kids. Like, you know, you're one of the boys that went missing, one of the kids that went missing. Little boy doesn't say anything. And then Mike says look, I don't know how it's possible that you're here in this dream or this memory, but I need you to help me. Mike says, please help me remember the man who took my brother. The little boy stands up and turns around and tells Mike, if we show you what you want, what will you give us? Mike says, anything, I'll give you anything you want. And then we hear Abby scream, like in the far distance of Mike's dream. Mike turns back and the little boy is gone. And we see that while he was playing with the stick, what he was doing was actually carving a picture into the dirt. And he has drawn a picture of what looks to be the golden Bonnie suit or the spring trap suit. We hear Abby scream again, and this causes Mike to wake up. He still has his headphones on. He takes them off. He's a little groggy. And then he turns and finds that Abby isn't in the little sleeping fort that he made her. We hear Abby scream again, and she's saying, stop, stop, stop. Mike runs out, and she's surrounded by the animatronics. Freddie turns and starts making his way toward Mike. Mike picks up a chair like he's going to try and use it against this big old robot. And then Abby calls out to Mike and she's laughing and she's like, they won't stop tickling me. I thought I was going to die. And then she introduces Freddie to Mike. Clearly, Abby has made friends with the animatronics. Abby then tells Mike, I want you to come meet the others. Mike slowly puts the chair down, but is still, of course, very weary of what's happening. Abby continues to introduce Mike to Bonnie, Foxy, and Chica, and then says, everyone, this is Mike. 
Micah's like, is, this is a joke, right? Like, there's someone here controlling them. And he just kind of keeps spinning around, like, waiting for Ashton Kutcher to come out or something. Like, it's a whole prank. Mike even says, okay, you can come out now. Like, congratulations, you got me. But, of course, no one is going to come out and take credit for this. Abby tells Mike, it's okay. Like, they just want to play. We're fine. And then Chica winks at Abby. Mike says that they have to go home now. And Abby's like, okay, just hold on. They really like pictures. And she pulls out this little notebook out of her pocket draws on it and then gives it to bonnie and we see that the paper has a little heart on it abby then is like i had a lot of fun tonight thank you for playing with me mike's like all right abby like come on we gotta go before she leaves she runs up to freddie and gives him a hug he hugs her back and mike is clearly like okay we gotta just get out of here this is too much he takes abby's hand they leave they say goodbye to her new friends and then we cut to abby and mike pulling into the driveway of their house so this is now night three at freddie's survived Abby is passed out in the back seat and Mike gets her into the house and tucks her into bed. He sits in her room and starts looking at some of the drawings on her desk and we see the most recent one she's working on is a picture of the kids from the dream and Mike's putting together that the kids from the dream are who are inhabiting Foxy, Bonnie, Chica, and Freddie. And you can tell because the one that is inhabiting Bonnie has these little boo rabbit ears. The one that is inhabiting Foxy has the hook for a hand much like we talked about in the character breakdowns. Next, we cut to Abby awake, and it looks like they're having, I would imagine, lunch. It seems like Abby's having grilled cheese and soup. They're both sitting at the kitchen table, and Mike's like, hey, Abby, I want to talk to you about something. I want to talk to you about, like, those machines. Abby calls them her friends, and he's like, okay, you're friends. Mike wants to know if they're ghosts, and Abby says, yes. How else could they make the robots move? Mike's like, okay, that's a fair point. Abby asks if she can have some more soup. He's like, yeah, that's fine. He goes into the kitchen to start making some more. And he says, hey, Abs, you know that we used to have a brother, right? Abby says, Garrett. And he's like, yeah, I don't really talk about him much. And Abby's like, neither did mom or dad. Mike's like, yeah, it was hard for them. And it's hard for me too. Mike then pulls a drawing out of his pocket and says, can you explain to me like what this is? And we see that Abby drew Garrett being taken away in the car. Mike asks if she knows what it is. And Abby nods her head. And Mike's like, no, 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 it's okay. Like, don't be sad. I'm not angry. I just, I want you to help me to understand, please. And he's being very calm, very, like, even with his tone. Abby's like, that's when Garrett got taken. And Mike's like, yeah, I want to know, like, who told you about that? Mike asks if the boy with blonde hair did. Abby nods her head. And Mike's like, did the boy ever tell you anything about the man driving the car? Abby looks down at her drawing and says, no. She says, all they talk about is this yellow rabbit. Mike says, okay. He like sits back in his chair and Abby then says that she could ask. She could ask the animatronics, ask the kids if they know anything. Mike says that he would really appreciate that. We are now back at Freddy Fazbear's Pizza. And we cut to inside. Vanessa's inside and she's staring at the picture of this yellow rabbit holding the hands of the children. And Vanessa's just staring at it and appears to like have tears in her eyes. We see Mike pull up with Abby and he notices Vanessa's squad car. Abby says, my friends talk about her sometimes. And Mike says, Abby, if I asked you to wait in the car, would you? She says no and starts making her way inside. Abby runs in, says hi to Vanessa, and then goes to see her friends. Mike and Vanessa say hi to one another. And Abby runs up on stage and starts talking with Chica, Freddie, and Bonnie. Mike's like, you knew about this. And Vanessa's like, yeah, I kind of figured you'd figure it out at some point. And Mike's like, yeah, you wish you would have told me clearer that they're ghosts possessing robots. Abby says that she needs their help, meaning Mike and Vanessa. They all want to build a giant fort, and the animatronics look genuinely excited. 
Mike's like, I, get, I understand that you're excited, but these things are big and dangerous. So I think we should lay a few ground rules. And then Vanessa, like he's hoping that Vanessa will back him up. And Vanessa just says, I think we could use the tables for the fort, completely disregarding what Mike has just said. We get a montage of them building this giant fort for all of them to hang out in. We even see Bonnie, Chica, Freddie and Foxy all chip in with, you know, moving these large tables and, and chairs. We cut to all of them laying on the ground on their backs, looking up at the ceiling from their little fort. Abby makes the comment, I think it's going to rain soon. And Vanessa says, well, then I guess we'll need a roof. I'll go see what I can find. Mike's like, yeah, I'll come with you. And then he leans over to Abby and he's like, please don't forget to ask. Him and Vanessa go into the storage room and she's looking for tablecloths. She's like, I know they used to have some somewhere. And Mike's like, how do you know all of this? Like, what is going on? Vanessa doesn't answer. She finds a box of tablecloths. And Mike ends up finding another animatronic in the corner. And this is the Ella animatronic from the books that I talked about in the fun facts. So he goes up to it and we see that it's a spring trap suit, a spring lock suit. And he goes to touch it. And Vanessa's like, do not touch that. She grabs the end of a broom. She's like the spring trap suits. They were designed specifically so that somebody could wear the suit. However, they're super unstable. So they stopped being made. Then, like I said, she uses the end of this broom, pokes the animatronic, and the spring locks clamp shut. She's like, see, they're unstable. She goes to leave without saying anything. And then Mike's like, is there anything else that you want to tell me? Because I feel like there's something that you seem to know. Like, you know everything about this place. Like, what if Abby came in here and found that thing? And Vanessa's like, you know, you're the one that brought her here, not me. And what I can't wrap my head around is why. And Mike's like, look, all right, I think they know who took my brother. Mike's like, I can't explain it, but when I'm here, I'm closer to Garrett. My dreams are clearer. I can almost figure it out. Like, I'm so, I'm so close. And before he can finish, Vanessa is like, you can't change what happened. Like, that's not, it's not going to work. Vanessa asks if he has asked the kids about this. He says he's tried. He's like, I don't think that they like me very much. And he explains that he asked Abby to do it for him. Vanessa's like, Mike, you need to drop this. And Mike's like, I don't see how that's any of your business. And Vanessa gets upset. She's like, I'm telling you, you need to let it go. She gets in his face a little bit and then she goes to leave and then turns around really quick and gets even more in his face. And he's like, who the hell are you? And she takes a step back and she's like, someone who's trying to help. They make their way back to the main area of the pizzeria and we see that Abby is having a dance party with Bonnie and Chica and basically the whole game while they're performing Wild One. Mike then tells Vanessa that finding the guy who took Carrot is the only thing that matters to him. Vanessa then looks to the stage and sees that Abby's getting ready to like go up to the guitar that Bonnie has and strum it. And as she puts her hands up, Vanessa yells at Abby not to touch the guitar because of course they're like these, you know, robots and it's an electronic guitar, you know, that's just like a robotic guitar. Um, and as she strums her hand down, Abby gets electrocuted. She falls to the floor. Mike is trying to rouse her. She starts coughing. Both Mike and Vanessa seem super relieved. Abby asks if she's okay. Vanessa said that it was an accident, but that Abby's going to be fine. Abby then sits up and Vanessa pulls her into a hug, which I think is very interesting that Vanessa and Abby hug as opposed to Abby and Mike. Now we're outside of Freddie Fazbear's Pizza with Mike, Vanessa, and Abby. Abby's in the car, and Vanessa and Mike are talking, and he's like, I don't know what to say, and Vanessa's like, just go home. Go take care of your sister. Then she goes to walk toward her car, and Mike asks her what she's so afraid of. She stops walking, and then he says, in the storage room, I saw your eyes, and you were terrified. Vanessa turns around, looks at Mike, and is like, you can do whatever you want with your own life, but if you ever bring Abby back here again, I will shoot you, and she gets in her car. Abby, of course, heard the whole thing. 
Mike gets in the car and Abby asks Mike, why does everybody always look at you that way? Like meaning angry and irritated. We are now back at Mike and Abby's house. Mike is sitting at the table looking at the phone. He picks it up and dials and we don't hear who he's calling, but the person answers and Mike says, hey, it's Mike, I need your help. Then we cut to outside the house. We see there's another car in the driveway and Aunt Jane has come over. Mike is cooking breakfast. He goes to wake up Abby. Mike asks her to get dressed and then he says, please come into the kitchen when you're done. I wanna talk to you about something. When she gets to the kitchen though and she sees that Aunt Jane is there, she gets upset. Mike asks her to come have a seat at the table and she's not having it. Mike says, if you sit down, we can explain everything to you. And Abby's like, no, I hate you. I hate you, Mike. And then she runs back to her room. Aunt Jane's being a jerk. And she's like, well, I think that went well. It's like, well, nobody asked you, you jerk. Smelling like cigarettes. We see Abby in her room and she's taken a black marker and is marking out Mike's face in every single drawing that she has of him. Mike tells Aunt Jane that Abby's upset but when she's not upset tell her i'm sorry and he's getting ready to go aunt jane says that's fine but when you get back we do need to have a talk about everything that's been going on mike says okay fine and he leaves we see mike at the pharmacy refilling his prescription and it's funny because the pharmacist is like you know what works for me i take a warm glass of milk or some chamomile tea with honey and mike's like just give me the prescription he just like rips it out of this pharmacist's hand and walks away and the, the pharmacist's like what an asshole Mike then goes back to Freddy's with his prescription because he is determined to figure out what happened to Garrett. He makes his way into the security office, sets everything up, takes a sleeping pill, and goes to sleep. We're now back in Mike's memory, and this time it's a little different. We see Mike's dad playing with Garrett. They're all at the picnic table. This isn't how we've seen it in the past throughout the movie. And then they tell him, come sit down, honey. What's wrong? Mike can tell that this isn't right. And he even says, he's like, this isn't how it happened. And this, and at this point, we start out with adult Mike. We Normally, when we go back in time and we see the part of them all around this picnic table, we're still with young Mike, but we're with older Mike now. And he says, this isn't how it happened. This isn't right. Then we see the little blonde boy come up and he tells Mike, this is what it could be. Mike asks what this is. And the little boy says, it's what you want your family back. Mike's like, no, I just want to find the man. And the little boy's like, you're lying. You want to save Garrett. That's why you're really here. You want to change what happened. All the other kids are standing kind of behind the striped shirt boy in the background. Mike's like, no, it can't change what happened. They're gone. The little boy points to his family and he's like, they're all right here. You can have the stream every night. You can be together with him just like before. Mike says, how? And the little boy says, we could give you everything you wanted if you give us Abby. Garrett then tells Mike that he loves him. Mike's mom says that to him as well. She's like, you know, you've seen how happy she is with them. Like if they can take care of her, you don't need to take care of her anymore. It's time to let go, sweetheart. You were never the right person to take care of her. And it's so sad that like, then he's having to hear this from his mother after everything that's gone on. Everything pauses for a moment. We hold on Mike trying to hold back tears. And then he just says, okay. The little boy in the striped shirt who, like I said, is the ghost controlling Golden Freddy seems very excited that Mike has essentially agreed to give them Abby. We flash to Abby's room and she has taken a nap. She wakes up and she looks at someone in her room that we can't see. She smiles and says, you're home. Then we cut to Mike and he is brushing hair out of Garrett's face in the dream. And then Mike 
fully realizes and kind of comes to term with, with everything that's just happened. And he's like, no, I don't want this. This isn't what I want. This is wrong. He stands up and turns towards the kids, but all of them are gone. We then got to Mike in the security office asleep, and we see Foxy is making his way toward Mike. Back in the dream, Mike's like, you you have to hear me. Like, please, I don't want this. I don't want this. Like, you can't have Abby. You have to leave her alone. The kids start running back and forth around him saying Abby's name. And he's like, please stay away from my sister. And then all of the kids take turns hitting and scratching and clawing at Mike, essentially beating the crap out of him. He wakes up and then he is in the same trap that we saw the first security guard in in the beginning. Thankfully, Mike is able to get out just in time. He's crawls out, scoots away on the ground, and then he realizes that he's in the room with Max, Jeff, Hank, and Carl's dead bodies. Mike runs out. He's limping. He makes his way to the exit door that's by the security office, and then we hear Foxy coming up behind him. Foxy's standing at the end of the hallway like we've seen before. We then see um, like everything from Foxy's point of view is gaining closer and closer to Mike. It seems like at the last second, Mike is able to get the door open and leave. We cut to Mike and Abby's house. It's dark. Abby's in her room playing. Aunt Jane knocks on the door and tells Abby that she can't stay in there forever. Abby doesn't respond. And then Jane goes to watch television in the living room. When Aunt Jane goes to prop her feet up in the recliner, the camera moves and we can see that Golden Freddy is actually inside the house. We cut to Abby's room and she hears a thud and goes out to see what it was. And we see that Golden Freddy is standing at the end of the hallway right by the front door. Abby gets really excited to see him. And then we see that the little blonde boy comes out to greet Abby. He says that everyone's waiting for her and that they can go and play. We then see Abby grab her backpack and we see that Aunt Jane's on the floor And the little boy says, oh, she just fell asleep. Like, how silly. Abby asks how they're going to get back to Freddy's. And then we see that there's a taxi waiting for them outside. Now we're at what looks to be a police warehouse where they keep supplies and things. And Vanessa has taken Mike there. He's beat up pretty bad. He's bleeding. Vanessa says he'll probably need stitches. Mike sits up and tells Vanessa that they tried to kill him. And then... He says, but I'm guessing you already knew that. Vanessa doesn't say anything. And then he says, you knew about Max and her brother, right? Vanessa says it's complicated. Mike says, more complicated than possessed robots murdering innocent people. Vanessa claims that they weren't innocent. And Mike says, Abby is. He's like, you know what they're capable of doing and you didn't say anything. Mike tells her that Abby's in danger and Vanessa wants to know what happened. Mike says, in my dream, they asked me for Abby and I said, yes. Mike said it was a mistake and he tried to fix it, but then he trails off and he asks what they want with his sister. Vanessa kind of shrugs and says they want to make her like them. We now see Freddie and Abby have arrived at Freddie's Fazbear's. Abby's very excited to get inside and rushes in before Freddie. She turns around and Golden Freddie isn't there. So she continues to make her way inside the building. We cut back to Vanessa and Mike and Vanessa explains that in the 80s, some kids went missing. They searched Freddy's. They searched every inch of the place, but they never found them. We see Abby walking further into the Peach Luria and it seems like all the animatronics are gone. The stage is empty. Doesn't seem like anyone's there. Vanessa then goes on to say there was a man. He was a very bad man, a very cruel man, also a very clever man. He knew the parents would cry and the police would come looking and he knew one place they'd never think to check because why would they? I mean, why would anyone? Now we see all the animatronics are back on stage and this is clearly alluding to the fact that their bodies were hidden inside of the machines, which is a direct callback to like the lore of the game is that William Afton killed the kids, stuffed them into the animatronics to hide the bodies and the evidence. Vanessa then confirms that it's not just their ghosts, it's their bodies that are hidden inside the animatronics. Vanessa then says, you have to understand it's not the kids who want to hurt anyone. She goes on to say that he, meaning the bad man, meaning William Afton, has some kind of influence over them. Mike wants to know who, and Vanessa says, I tried to warn you. 
Vanessa says, I really did try in my own way, but it's too late now. He knows you're looking for him. Vanessa says he'll be coming. She starts to cry and Mike says, you need to tell me who he is, Vanessa. Vanessa pulls a photo out of her back pocket and we see that she is standing with the yellow Bonnie suit, the spring trap suit. And she's about 10 years old in the picture. And they are standing right under that archway at the front of Freddy Fazbear's Pizza. She says that the man's name is William Afton and he's my father. He's in the spring trap suit. So we are unsure of who the man slash, you know, William Afton actually is. But of course, if you've listened this far into the podcast, we all know that it's going to be the lovely, talented, um, terrifying Matthew Lillard a.k.a. Steve Raglan, a.k.a. William Afton, a.k.a. Springtrap, a.k.a. The Purple Guy, which is what we knew him as in the game before he was given the name William Afton. He was just Purple Guy. Purple Guy was the bad guy. So let's continue. Mike examines the photo a little bit further, and we see that Vanessa is holding a toy airplane, and it's the exact same one that Garrett had with him the day that he went missing. Mike asks if Vanessa knew the whole time, and she's like, not about Garrett, no, at least not when we met. But she clearly has put the pieces together since they, you know, she learned about Garrett and all of these things. Vanessa says she's really sorry, and Mike's like, you have to tell me how to save my sister. We cut back to Freddy's, and everything in the pizzeria starts to turn on. The animatronics are just kind of standing there looking at Abby, and she's starting to look a little uncomfortable. Then Talking in Your Sleep by the Romantic starts playing, and they start performing, which causes Abby to relax a little bit. Vanessa says the electricity is the key. She pulls out these giant electric prods that they use for animal control. She's like, there's a taser on your belt. She hands him the prod. And then she says, use the electricity. It'll mess with the circuitry. It won't hurt them or kill them, but it will stop them and buy you some time. Vanessa says that she wants to go with him, but she can't. She's, he says, you owe me. You owe it to them. Vanessa's like, I want to, but I can't. There's no way. I won't be of any use to you if he's there. Believe me. Mike's like, he really messed you up, didn't he? Then Vanessa gives Mike her squad car keys and he zips and zooms his way back to Freddy Fazbear's pizza. Vanessa, then we hear her voice and she says that Mike needs to avoid the front entrance. We are back at the pizzeria and Chica is kind of ushering Abby away from the main area of the parlor, like the pizza parlor. Vanessa's voice goes on to say that there's an outlet vent on the east side of the building and that's the best way inside. We see Abby following Chica and Mike is now crawling through this vent. The vent leads right to the main room at Freddy's and he has to pop out the grate. We see him sneak up to the stage before Freddy and Bonnie can catch him. They're still performing Talking in Your Sleep by the Romantics. Mike is almost caught by Freddy, but he's able to duck down behind the stage just in time. Now we see that Chica is leading Abby into the parts and services room where like the dead bodies are, where Max was killed, um, where Mike was locked up, where the first security guard was locked up. Abby asks Chica where they're going, and of course, Chica doesn't say anything. Once they get into the room, the door closes behind them, and Abby's starting to look unsettled again. Mike then finds a bucket full of water and pours it on the stage, and then uses the taser to shoot the water, which electrocutes Bonnie and Freddie, causing them to fall down. Chica then brings her fully into the room, picks Abby up, and tries to place her in the Ella spring trap suit, essentially trying to kill Abby, thus trapping her body and her soul in the animatronic. 
Abby is fighting against Chica and Mike gets there just in time. Chica puts Abby down and Mike holds the taser up to Chica and then tases her. This causes Chica to fall down. Abby runs over to Mike. They hug each other. Abby's like, I don't know why she was trying to hurt me. And Abby seems really confused. And Mike's like, it's okay. You're fine. Just listen to me. I've been an idiot about so many things. I've been stuck trying to fix the past, but you're the most important thing in the world to me. And I promise that I'm going to do better. Abby's like, I love you too. And then she says that they should probably go. And he's like, yeah, okay, that sounds good. We see that Chica's cupcake is still alive and well, being alive being the operative word. We see Abby and Mike trying to make their way to one of the back exits when Mike gets attacked by the cupcake and dragged back down the hallway by his leg. Mike then tells Abby to go hide and he's trying to get the cupcake off of him. Abby runs into Bonnie and Freddie still on the floor and she goes to hide in the arcade. But while she's running through the arcade, we see that Foxy is in the shadows watching. And this is such a good transition because at first we see, you know, the young boy inhabiting Foxy's machine is at the front of the curtains. And then he steps back into the shadows and then Foxy, like the animatronic steps forward. It's I love a good transition. That one in the movie theater just gave me like those those nice little lovely goosebumps of like, ah, oh, yes, cinema, chef's kiss. The cupcake is currently trying to bite Mike's leg off, essentially. Mike is trying to fight back, though. He's able to get the cattle prod and he like holds it out in front of him after he kicks the cupcake off and the cupcake lunges at Mike and clamps his teeth down on the prod, which then, of course, electrocutes the cupcake. Foxy's now looking for Abby in the arcade. She's hiding behind an arcade game and we can see this lovely camera shot of Abby hiding behind this uh, arcade game. And then we see Foxy slowly coming toward camera, coming closer to where Abby is. Abby can see Foxy's shadow getting closer to her. And right as Foxy's getting close to the machine, we see that Abby was able to scurry away and make her way into the ball pit. She submerges herself in this ball pit, thus causing Foxy to make their way over to the ball pit as well. Mike is coming out of what looks like the kitchen area into the main floor of the pizzeria. He's calling for Abby and then we hear footsteps coming down the hallway. And this is when we get to see the spring trap suit for the first time coming closer and closer and closer to Mike. And Mike looks terrified. I mean, this one is much creepier than the other. Well, okay, Foxy's animatronic has definitely seen better days, but the string trap one, the one of the ears is ripped off. It looks like what they are referred to in the games as like the rotten versions. Um, so this definitely looks like more of a rotten version of Springtrap. There's wires poking out. Uh, one of the eyes is messed up. Also kind of like what the Golden Freddy suit looks like. It's definitely been beat up a little bit and Foxy's animatronic has definitely been beat up a little bit. Mike tases the Springtrap suit, but it doesn't really do anything. The whoever's inside the suit laughs and it really doesn't seem to have any effect on them, like I said. Springtrap then charges Mike and pushes him over. We cut and we see Foxy advancing toward the ball pit and then we hear what sounds like electricity and then Abby's being pulled from the ball pit very quickly, but we see that it's actually Vanessa pulling her out of the ball pit as Vanessa used a taser on Foxy. Vanessa tells Abby, I need you to get somewhere safe so that I can help your brother. We then cut back to Springtrap and Mike and Springtrap says, you couldn't just leave it alone, could you? Lucky me, this is perfect. First I kill your brother, now I kill you cemetery my friend mike tells him to go to hell and then springtrap starts laughing he kicks mike while mike's on the ground and like causes mike to kind of spin and roll over and this kick seems to knock him out springtrap then says wake up children i have something for you to play with and we see all the animatronics like come out of their electrocuted stupors and wake up springtrap says this is going to be so much fun and then then he goes on to say, the little ones tell me you have a sister. She'll love it here. And then he pulls a blade out from, I'm guessing, his pocket. 
and says, you, however, are finished, my friend. He then takes his hand and runs it across the blade of the knife and says, farewell, Michael Schmidt. Mike is still passed out on the floor. Vanessa then says, that's enough. Drop the knife. And she's holding a gun up to Springtrap. He turns around and says, little old for temper tantrums, aren't we, Vanessa? She's like, I'm not kidding, dad. Springtrap then takes off the helmet or the mask, whatever you want to call it. And we see, of course, it's Steve, a.k.a. William, a.k.a. Springtrap, a.k.a. Matthew Lillard. And I'm kind of convinced that they just gave Matthew Lillard a knife and they were like, do your thing, sir. You know what to do. Um, Because this just felt so... It felt so natural to see him in this element. And I'm a huge, obviously I'm a huge Scream fan. Um, but yeah, I'm, I just, I'm convinced that they were just like, all right, so you got to say these couple lines, but here's the knife and just do what you will. I feel like this man doesn't need directing any kind of direction when he's handed a knife. You know what I mean? Afton then says, you have forgotten your loyalties, but they have not. And he points to the animatronics. Abby then sees Mike on the ground and runs over to him and tries to get him to wake up. Afton says, put that thing away and help me clean up this mess that you created. Abby's still trying to get Mike to wake up. Afton then starts getting closer to Vanessa and he says, come on, we know you're not really going to use it. She fires the gun and it does hit him, but I don't think it does a ton of damage since he has the suit on. Abby's able to get Mike awake and then both Mike and Abby start looking at all the drawings. Mike then points the drawings out to Abby and says, the yellow rabbit hurt your friends. Show them what really happened. Afton then goes and hits the gun out of Vanessa's hands and tells her you had one job. Keep them in the dark and kill them if they get too close. Vanessa then says that's two jobs, which I think is such a great callback. Um, I am a sucker for a good callback, both in, in film and television and in life. William then picks up Vanessa by her throat and puts her up against this claw machine and starts choking her. Abby takes a sign off the wall and turns it around and we can see that she's drawing a new picture. William can sense that something's about to change based on what Abby drew. She runs up, pulls off the drawing of Springtrap holding hands with all the kids and puts up this new drawing. Afton goes over to try and stop her, but Vanessa grabs his hand to hold him back and then Afton stabs Vanessa in the stomach. He lets her drop to the ground and does not seem remorseful in the slightest that he just stabbed his daughter. As Abby hangs up the new picture, we as the audience have not seen it yet. We see that Mike is running back to the security office to flip the breaker, essentially resetting the animatronics with the new information that Abby is giving them. Afton asks her what she's done, and now we see the painting is a drawing of Springtrap holding a knife and all of the kids dead around him. The animatronics look at this and seem really mad with the new information that they have been reminded of. Abby tells Afton, they can see you now. They know what you did. Afton tells them to move out of the way and he's not happy now that they're not obeying him we then see these spotlights turn on directly on afton and the other animatronics are slowly closing in on him he's like look at you nasty things look at what you've become how small you are how worthless you are he goes on to say you are wretched rotten little beasts i made you springtrap is then attacked by chica's cupcake which causes the spring traps to malfunction and pierce into afton the animatronics stand around and essentially watch him get stabbed to death by the suit and they seem very pleased with this whole thing going down which i think is valid after what he's done to them then we see springtrap pick up the helmet place it over his head and tell them i always come back now essentially he's putting himself into the suit and like the kids his soul will be in the suit forever abby and mike are walking past like this scene that's happening of william afton dying abby asks mike what's happening and he explains that the spring locks are malfunctioning 
we see Afton fall to the floor. And at this moment, Freddy Fazbear's pizza kind of starts slowly falling apart around them. They go, they get Vanessa up, they're able to drag her out, and the rest of the animatronics pick up Springtrap and drag him away. All of Vanessa, Abby, and Mike are making their exit. Like I said, as Freddy's is falling down around them. We get a black screen. We cut to Abby playing at school. She's actually playing with other kids. She's laughing. Seems to be a little bit more social. The teacher's telling Mike that she's taken a turn in the last few weeks and whatever you're doing, he should keep doing it. He seems really happy. He says that he will. And then we see them driving home from school and Mike's like, it's not that hard. What do you want for dinner? You can have pizza or spaghetti. Abby says she wants both. They end up settling for spaghetti with meatballs. He says that's fine, but first they need to make a stop. We see them stop at the hospital to visit Vanessa. She's currently, I would assume she's in a medically induced coma, but it may just be a regular coma. Mike tells Vanessa, I don't know if you can hear any of this, but I'm having a hard time processing everything that happened. But you were there for me and Abby when it mattered the most. I don't think either of us would be here today if it weren't for you. So get better and I'll be here when you wake up. He then kind of grabs her hand for a moment, gives it a light squeeze, and then we cut to Abby and Mike leaving the hospital. They're now at home eating spaghetti and Abby seems a little down. Mike asks if she's okay and she's like, yeah, I'm just thinking about my friends. Abby says that they're all alone and no one takes care of them anymore and she wants to go visit them sometime. And Mike looks shocked. He's like, are you, bitch, you better be joking. Then instead of giving her a real answer, he just says, well, you know, you never know what could happen. They then start having their little dinner table conversation. They're laughing. They seem to be doing well and okay. We don't know what happened with Aunt Jane though. So not sure if Freddy just knocked her out or if Freddy killed her. We then cut to Freddy's and the place hasn't fully fallen down, but it's definitely in disarray. We cut to the little boy with the blonde hair and the striped shirt, and he's essentially standing in this doorway watching Springtrap still dying in one of the back rooms very slowly. Springtrap reaches out for the little boy. The little boy just closes the door on him, and that's the end of the movie. I think that this is a callback. I can't remember which game it is, but after we find out about William Afton in the game, we find out that he also had like a partner kind of in terms of like a bad guy. And he does accidentally get caught in the suit. And so this partner goes looking for him and finds him in this back room of one of the restaurants dying and chooses not to help him, chooses to shut the door, close the restaurant and lock everything down. And it's like, no one's going back in there where doors are closed essentially. And that is how Five Nights at Freddy's ends. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Um, I know that so many people were super bummed about this, but, but I think it's a really fun time. So I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, feel free to like, rate, subscribe, wherever you listen. I'm planning on starting a, um, well, I have a YouTube and I'm planning on putting the podcast episodes on YouTube. So if you prefer to listen there, I'll have that linked below as well. Hoping to start getting like all the backlog of, um, all 50 something episodes that I have this episode 57, which just seems bananas to me. Um, so yeah, thank you for all of the support these last couple of years. I'm so excited to get back into doing this regularly and yeah, just excited to see what this year brings. So many good horror movies coming out and excited to share it all with you. Um, again, this is week four of our four week on two week off schedule. So I will be back. Let me see timeline wise. Um, I will be back February 16th and the plan right now is to go over the newest Candyman movie that came out, which I very much enjoyed. So look 
ahead for that. I will be off the next two weeks, um, but we'll be, you know, research and all of that stuff. Um, yeah. If you want to see what the podcast is doing on social media, I have the podcast on Instagram and Twitter under M murder movies. So that's M as in massacre murder movies on Instagram and Twitter. I hope you have a lovely week or weekend whenever you're listening to this and remember to stay safe and stay spooky.